I'm sitting there and literally there are times I feel as if there's this wind. I know it sounds crazy. There's this wind that comes right around me. Like, if, as if somebody, you know, somebody walks past you, you know how you feel a breeze? Does that happen to you? And you, and you? I mean, literally, it happens almost weekly that I'm there, and, and I'm there, and, and I feel as if somebody is just walking right next to me, and I feel the breeze, and I look up. I, I always do. I look up, and there's no, never anybody. There's nobody around. There's nobody walking. I'm going, boy. I mean, it's a, my first response is immediately, because I'm always a skeptic, is, okay, that's just, the air's on, right? You know, the air's like blowing directly on me. Maybe that's my answer. But it's, it's not a consistent airflow. That's what messes me up. Like, it's not consistent. It, it, it's, it's if something, something's coming around me or, or, or beside me, I, we know it's the Holy Spirit working within us. And so for me, this whole season that we've been through this, these first two months on a series of hope. It's because the world needs hope. And so Colossians 1.27, that's been our that's been a verse that we're going to rest on this whole year. It's a, it's a verse that we hold to. It says this, for Christ in who, saints? That's right, for Christ in us, for Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the what, saints? Hope of glory. That's our, that's our verse. And so next week we start this whole resurrection month. We're going to do these next uh, four to five weeks. We're going to spend time in the resurrection. And it's really the hope of the resurrection. That's the, the, the title of the series. And so we, we go from now this hope that we're going in Colossians to the hope of the resurrection leading up, obviously, there uh, to Passion Week and then the resurrection. So to see this, because we always need hope. Now, let me backtrack a moment. Uh, this week... I had to represent the school and I had to be in Myrtle Beach, so I had to be gone a couple days. In fact, I had to miss our corporate worship on Thursday night, which asking me to miss corporate worship is literally like not giving me bread. I mean, you know, that's a, a problem for me. And so, I mean, I was devastated. I'm up there and I'm like, Lord, if this week can just get any worse, now i got to miss corporate worship to stand here in a booth and give out all this candy to people who don't need candy. That's a nice way of saying it, right? So, so, and then the problem is, because I love candy, and these, this candy is always in front of me already, what do you think I did? That's exactly what I did. I ate so much candy, I didn't even want to eat lunch. I mean, it was like, it was like the greatest thing for you. My mom always said, I'm not eating sweets, you want to be hungry, but then you eat sweets. Well, my mother went there. And so I did it. I felt good about myself while I was doing it, and then when the endorphins went down, then I started feeling guilty, and so I ate more to kind of spike it up. <laughs> but it, to make matters worse, like this is a potent time fairy. Y'all tracking me? Like this, I had to be there. Like I, I would rather you take a big old bottle and hit me in the back of the head. And so I had to be there, and I was miserable. And and to make matters worse, I, I get there, and I'm in a potent tie. You know, when you're, you're, you're mingling with these people, and you're like, hey, la, 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 yeah, go Jesus. And, and all of a sudden, my wife calls me, and I can't answer the phone, so I go back and I answer it. I call her back, and I said, hey, what's, what's wrong? She goes, did you forget something? And I want to say, you missed me already, because you know. <laughs> so she goes, no. And I said, what is it? And she said, uh, are you 
missing anything. I said, look, the van is packed. I've got all this stuff for the school. I've got boxes upon boxes. i got a video projector, a video screen. What, what am I missing? She said, your luggage. Your luggage. Everything, people. Not just toothbrush and toothpaste. Not just mouthwash, because candy can cover bad germs. Everything. So for a couple of days, I was a missionary. <laughs> Man, I'm telling you, I, I was hiding body funk in ways you just never imagined. Like, I literally would sometimes take my coat off and put it back on and throw people off because I figured, you know, like, one day I wanted to tie, the next day I did it. Some of them are going, that's like brother preaching because I'd be going, come on. You know, that's like we were on dates and didn't have any money. We just put the same thing over and over and over. I, I mean, but that's just what happened. I had, I had absolutely nothing. I thought, okay, Lord, but what, I need some hope here. I need some hope. Man. And listen, people need hope in it. We as a summit church, and the leaders in this church, I mean, when we say leaders now, you know what I'm talking about, leaders eat dirt. That's in God's economy. It's not leaders like you're up here. That's the world standards. Like, leaders in God's economy is we eat dirt. That's our role. But, I, I mean, think about Jimmy Pollock, for crying out loud. The, the man needs some hope in the world. We just had our college beach weekend, right? Yeah, right? Some of y'all still have sand all in your hair and everything else. Y'all still looking nasty and... And all this stuff. No, I'm kidding. And, and so Jimmy Pollitt, I mean, Jimmy Pollitt got body slammed by a girl. The man is hope. Oh, it's all exciting. She was like, that's what he did. And so, right, I mean, people need hope. And so I'm just going to look at this tonight, today and, and just kind of just rest in what Christ has done for us in hope. So Colossians 3, verse 1. Let's turn there. And uh, by the way, it's on Facebook. I, didn't, I apologize. I didn't get it on Summit by Charleston.com, my website. I will get it on there. I was just, just wrestling with this passage and wrestling and wrestling and wrestling. And so, uh, by the way, I just want to say I love when my Bible starts caring because that means I've been spending a lot of time in just one book and I, and I just love that. So I get excited. Colossians 3, verse 1. Here we go, saints. Since then, you have been what? Raised with Christ. Raised with Christ. Since you have been raised with Christ, if you have been raised with Christ, that means there must have been a death. If we've been raised with Christ, there must have been a death. This gets really good. With Christ, set your hearts on things where, saints? Don't miss this. Set your hearts on things above. Where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. And then, verse 2, set your what, saints? So, in verse 2, set your hearts. Now set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you die, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, 
who is your life appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Let me just pray, Lord, I, my mind is racing to try and discover and follow your Holy Spirit in this lead. Because today, right now, we have got to set our hearts and minds on the things above where Christ is seated in the very presence of you. Father, I am asking you today because you are the giver of all good things. You have blessed this church family. We are nothing but just simple people down home, down to earth. We love the great things that you've given us. But God, nothing compares to the greatness of Jesus who you have given us. And I pray today that my words, Lord, would be your words. I have nothing good to say. Nothing. Apart from Christ, there is nothing. But today, Lord, you can transform us and infuse hope in us so much that regardless of what we see, feel, taste, touch, experience, regardless of all that, that there is a one who is true and can redeem any and everything, restore any and everything, and his name is Jesus. We worship you, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, the one who is dead, who is buried, and who was raised on the third day, and smashed death, destroyed Satan, and now, Father, we have the hope of the gospel of Jesus. May you transform us today. God help us. We love you. And all the saints said, what? Amen. Amen. So here's the point today. Here's the point I probably won't even get past because there's just so much to it and it's so deep to it. Living in the hope of Jesus should drive, this is what I'm trying to get to, should drive our hearts to action. Living in the hope of Jesus should drive our hearts to action. Look there in verse 1. Oh, there we go. Now i got to find, oh, right to my place. Huh. Oh, Spirit. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Now, I said earlier, when we were reading this, because I wanted to jump right into it, it says, since then you have been raised with Christ, it means there must have been a death. There must have been a death. But yet God, since we were dead in our trespasses and sins, I, 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 I misquoted the word justification. I want to apologize to you. I, I, think I've, I think I've helped us think one way that I would like us to press against. The word justification in our salvation is, 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 some people would define it, and I have been guilty of saying this before, just as if it never happened. But that is incorrect. I would like to amend that because it's not as just it never happened. It's not just that our sins never happened. Our sins, you know, when Jesus came and died on the cross for our sins, does that mean that our sins didn't happen? Because if our sins didn't happen, then he would have had to. We have been acquitted. As a great theologian would say, we have been acquitted. That something, something has happened inside of us. In other words, that there had to be a punishment 
But Jesus did something in the midst of that punishment. He just didn't take on our punishment that deserved death in relationships and finances and career and eventually in physicality. He didn't just take on all those things. For by his stripes we are healed. He didn't just take on all that. But he, he satisfied God's wrath in that sense that now that we have hope and now that we have life. So here's what's happening. So we have been raised. So not only were we dead, but God says, I'm going to die in your place by sending my son Jesus. And then when he is raised, you're going to be raised in. So Paul is writing some powerful theology here when he is saying we've been raised with Christ. And since we are now a new creation in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, since things are new in our life, now we have a choice to say, what am I going to set my life upon? Now, I don't want you to think this word set, even though it's mentioned in verse 1, it says, set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Verse 2, set your minds on things above. Now, I want you to think, the, the word set and set there, they're not the same Greek word. I, I want to give you the idea. I want you to circle it, make a note. That word set in verse 1 is from the idea is that you, and I'm going to paraphrase, is that you seek something with the idea, I am not giving up till I find it. When he says, set your hearts on things above, you are, he's saying, you are going to seek the things above until you find it. And oh, by the way, the root of that Greek word literally means to do something, to take up an endeavor. So setting your heart is not a position as if I set the Bible on the stand. That's not what he's saying. That's not the word. The word is not set your hearts on things above. He's saying this, that you are, you are in a place with Christ that you are moving forward to what God has for you in Christ. It's not I just set my heart, which is my most precious thing in the world, and I just set it on this lampstand and it just sits there. That's not what he's saying. He is saying, when you set your heart as that your hope is in Christ, and he is so powerful and so good that it creates a movement in us that now we now move forward in the endeavors of what Christ is, or we move to the very things. So the question is this, in verse 1, set your heart on what, saints? The things about. So the question is, what are the things about? What are the things above? I, the Lord was showing me this. I just, I, I mean, I'm sitting there listening to the Spirit. I'm like, yes, Lord. The first meaning of the things above is that we are about God's business. Uh, Luke 2, 49. I'm going to read the New King James Version, or similar to the King James, where Jesus is 12 years old. He leaves his uh, earthly mother, and the earthly father and he and he stays at the temple and he's with all the, the erudites, the learned people of the temple, and he's talking to them, and his parents leave. They realize Jesus is not with them, so they turn around and they go back to find him. Does that make sense? So then when they reach him, listen to what the very words of a 12-year-old Jesus says. And he said to them, Why? Did you seek me? As if to say, the answer is in the question. You know where I'm going to be. Look where he says. Did you not know 
that I must be about my father's business. Or I love what the Amplified kind of explains that. What does it mean about the father's business? In other words, occupy with the father's business. That's what it means to set your heart some things above. That we are caught up with what Jesus is doing. So much that we move in it. Does that make sense? That's what God wants for us as a church family. That's what God wants for us as believers. We are so caught up in the very presence of what God is doing. That's why, I mean, I was wrestling with this scripture. I was like, why would you say, like, Lord, why would you just tell Paul, set your heart on Jesus? That makes it much easier. But he's going, no. All right, I, I'm sorry related to sports, but that's, it's just simple for me. If, okay, think about your story. If your heart is to play football, you have to go to practice. If your heart is for the football game, or the basketball game, or the baseball game, or whatever game it is, kickball, or all you can eat, which I think happens to be the greatest game in the world. <laughs> and and, and then it's, it's, it's your, your heart is set on practice. Because you have to practice in order to be proficient in the game. So that's what he's saying here, is that, that we're so caught up in the presence of God, the game, that we are willing to do what God wants us to do on this earth. In other words, we are practicing what Jesus did. Uh, we're consumed about what God is doing, and we can't do anything else. And so then what we do, here's what's awesome. And when you set your hearts on the things above, then we release the presence of God in this. We are saying the Lord's Prayer. Thy will be on Thou will be done on earth as it is in what? When you set your hearts on things above, you do the very things that Jesus did. And what it does, it releases the very presence of Christ who is seated in the right hand of the Father by the power of the Holy Spirit. He's now released on the earth as we love, as we have peace, as we forgive, as we move into redemption and restoration language and help and works. We release the presence of God as if the kingdom of heaven is here. And that's why Jesus would say, repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Because he's saying the very presence of the kingdom and all the works and the benefits of the kingdom is right here. And we get it right now. You and I get that. When you love your child, when you uh, take care of a child and you're, and, you're, and you're helping that child do something the child can't do, that's what we're doing in the name of Jesus. We are helping people forgive who can't forgive. The world doesn't forgive. The world can care less about love. The world can, I mean, that's why I'm saying we are raised to life. How many of you this week, I mean, over the last two weeks, you know, you've been called with those, those 21 uh, people that were uh, martyred in their faith. How many of you, if you don't mind raising your hand, saw or read something about it? Y'all see it? Oh, good, so good number. I, I, you know, here's the thing. I was talking with my father-in-law yesterday. And my father-in-law was a butcher. He was a meat cutter this morning. Y'all know what I'm talking about being a butcher? Right? And, and listen, for those that are old in the room, he was an old school butcher. I'm talking about when they hang the meat. Anybody ever seen the old Rocky one? Y'all know what I'm talking about? Where he's punching, you know, like the dead cow, breaking the ribs, like that type of butcher, like going and cutting. And he he was telling me about one of the where they killed one person, and it was and it was just like a a fell swoop of a sword, and he was he was blown away. He said, "John, do you realize how sharp that sword 
had to be to come through the spinal cord. He, I mean, you know, that's what he dealt with as a butcher. I mean, he dealt with very sharp knives, and he would, he would come home with cuts and stuff like that. I remember that. And he was telling me about how sharp, like the idea of the sharpness. And, I, and all I could think about was that these believers were so enamored with Jesus that their hearts were set on the things above that what was going around them paled in comparison to the promise of Jesus. That's the way that we should live. That's what we go through. And other, in other words, that's where our hope, because see, as like Bill Johnson said, hope is the atmosphere that faith grows in. That was really good. Hope is the atmosphere that grows in. In other words, he says, any area of my life that has no hope is under the influence of a lie. Let me say that again. Any area of my life that has no hope, help, relationships, whatever it might be, academics, it doesn't matter. Any area of my life that has no hope is under the influence of a lie. Why? Because Jesus makes all things new. In other words, it's under a lie. The lie is there's no hope for this. There's no hope for that. There's no hope for this. There's no hope. There is always hope in Jesus. He said, but John, where was the hope when those people died? Listen, here's what's great. They're bought immediately if they're dead. The, the Bible says, absent bodies be present with the Lord. Think about the souls under the altar revelation. Think about you've got the you've got there in the transfiguration with Jesus, you've got Moses alive, you've got people that have been that were dead, that were now alive because they're in the presence of God. I mean, there's other hope that this is not the end. I love what he said, bringing it right back to the cross, right back to the king. And we start praying, thy kingdom come. Because God can take 40 years of Noah and one day turn it into genius. If you think about the one, we'll, we'll wandering in the wilderness. 2 Corinthians 1.20 says this, for no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ, and through, and through him, and so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God, which means our lives are not a waste. So today, I'm asking you to do something. Uh, I, I'm not asking. I'm hoping the Lord is asking you to set your heart. I want you today in prayer. When we go in this time of invitation, I want you to take you, I want you to say, Lord, you own my heart. And I am now going to take my heart and I'm going to set it on the things above. That is the things that bring you glory, which are faith, which are love, which are joy, which are peace, which is all this kindness, which is all this freedom. I'm going to set it on those things according to your riches and glory. I'm going to set my heart on those things and I'm not just going to set it there. I'm going to walk with you in that place. That means we've got to be moving, doing something for the Lord. Where we are bringing, uh, God's using us to bring redemption and restoration to other people. That's what it means to set your heart. Because here's what I know. You can set your mind to something, but if your heart is not in it, can I just get real for a moment? If you set your mind to say, I know that I need to agree, or I know that I need to do something, or I know I should be in this relationship, or everything seems right, but if your heart isn't in it, is it going to work? That's why he started with this. He starts with this first. See, what happens is the enemy starts here. The little God, the little G of this age, has blinded the mind. The enemy starts here. He comes as an angel of light, right? 
Uh, and what does he say? That all sin is wrapped up to it in First John ten sixteen. For the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. He always starts with this. He always starts with this. The enemy does, but God starts with this because this will change this, not this changing that. I know. I'm going to be transparent. I know that I should eat right, but the donut looks real good. I know that bread is not my friend. But I am in love with these folks. I know that any form of chocolate, even if you want to capture the special dog, is not the best thing for you. But I absolutely love the taste in my mouth of chocolate. And I don't need anybody else around me at that moment because I am having my own party by myself and I'm quite content. You see, my mind knows, but my heart hasn't changed. And until my heart, that's why when I try to encourage people, I look at people now, I used to be trying to speak by, speak by, speak by, but here's what happens. Until they believe it, ladies, until you believe you're beautiful, it doesn't matter what anybody else tells you. Man, until you're convinced that Jesus can satisfy you more than anything this world can give, because we are meant to be competitors, we are meant to be warriors, we are meant for challenges, don't back away from that, that just because you're a Christian doesn't mean that you are competitive, and that you don't like challenges, and that you don't go hard. Man, we are wired for that, but the difference is, the challenges we now take on is the challenges that Jesus has already faced. We are wired for that, but we've got to buy here. And until you today buy here, it means nothing. It means absolutely nothing. Christianity means nothing unless you set your heart on things above. If your heart is set on the person next to you, or the degree you can get, or the finances in your bank, or the retirement that you're hoping to have, or what your grandchildren's accomplishments are, if your heart is set on those things, you will live a life of mediocrity at best. At best. You know, there's Bill Gates has a lot of money. And so he gives medicine. He does a lot of great things. And lives have been saved, been saved, been saved. Because he has given billions of dollars in drug money to people who can't have access to it. And he is extending the lives of many people. And I praise Jesus for him. And I praise Jesus for what he's doing. Because I can't stand to see people suffer, especially little children. But I want to say this, even at the extent of it all, even if you can extend my life to 120 years, there will be a day. There will be a day that death knocks on our door. And as much drugs as I can take, as much as I can handle, there will be a day that my body will not be able to fight off the power of death. But the difference is, does death destroy me or does death deliver me into the arms of Jesus? There's a difference. Social work without the gospel is death. In the end, it is death. That's why we have to do something for the people in here. That's why we have to do something for the people here. Because not only do we do something for people, then we tell them the reason why. 
which brings life. So I just want to get back to this. So let me get back into verse 2. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. And the reason why he sets our minds on things above, because the more that we keep our eyes focused on Jesus, right? In Hebrews chapter 12, fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and right of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising its shame. And now he's set down at the right hand of God. What's awesome is when you fix your heart and your mind on the things, you get into the presence of Jesus. Verse 1, it says that when we fix on things above where Christ is seated, it means it draws us to the presence of God. The word set in verse 1 is to do something with the idea that I'm going to find what I'm looking for. I'm not just taking a blind step of faith. I am actually stepping out in faith to the one who is real. But then that word in verse 2, set your minds on things above. That Greek word means this. Are you ready? This is what it means. This is really good. Are you ready? It means the side with Jesus. Side with, it means this. When you're at your school, side with Jesus. When you're on your team, side with Jesus. When somebody says, I'm going to go do this, you side with Jesus. When somebody says over here, I'm going to go this way and I'm going after this and I'm going to do this, we side with Jesus. If I set my mind on the things above, I am now saying to my mind, I am siding with Jesus. But I'm in pain, and I'm racked with hurt, and I'm racked with questions about what's going to happen in my future. Side with Jesus. That's what it means. That's all it means. Paul is just telling us and compelling us by the Holy Spirit to do that. Why? Verse 3, 4. You die. Dead people can't die again. For you die and your life is now hidden with Christ and God. Woo! Thank you, Holy Spirit. You want to know why some of you aren't noticed? It's because the world only recognizes the things of the world. I'm going to go over here. Y'all hearing what I'm saying? Some of you want popularity. Some of you want fame. I just want to tell you this. The only time you will be famous if you follow Jesus is where? In places where Jesus is famous. You take Billy Graham and you put him in a place where people don't love Jesus, he's just Billy Graham. Your life is hidden in Christ. Stop looking. Stop looking for the glory when it's only going to be one person who gets the glory, and that's the giver. Our lives are hidden in Christ. So what happens when we live question, why doesn't he notice me? Why doesn't he notice me? The reason why he doesn't notice you is he's looking for somebody who looks like the world. And let me tell you something, woman of God, you look like Jesus. Back to this side. <laughs> Are y'all tracking me? And then you get hurt because he doesn't notice you. What does darkness have to do with life? Why is, why is that jerk at my job who talks about the boss, get the promotion, and I'm still stuck? When your life is given in Christ, Evil only recognizes evil. It never recognizes truth. That is why you have to look. You are hidden in Christ. And you say, well, what good is it then, John? What good is it for your life? Are you saying, John, that the rest of your life because you're hidden in Christ? You might go throughout this world and nobody even recognize you and know you or even care about you? Yes. And here's what else Jesus promised me. 
A prophet is without merit in his own, his own hometown. Which means even in my very place that I grew up in Salisbury, North Carolina, they might even reject me. But there'll be a day when we stand in front of Jesus. And would I rather be with the group that's judged with the books that are open? Or would I rather be judged with my name written in the lands of the Whose recognition do I want? How about you? You have a chance today to sign with Jesus. Sometimes Robin can play, play with me, man, because I just, I mean, like the Holy, the Holy Spirit, you have a chance to sign with Jesus. You have a chance to sign. The whole idea of setting your hearts on Christ, on things above, set your minds on things above, the whole idea of that, the whole idea could be summed up in this one word. You ready for it? Here it is, saints. Abide. Abide. Today, I'm going to ask you. Today, I'm going to ask you. You're in a relationship? I'm going to ask you that. God, I dedicate. I'm going to abide in that. God, my job. I'm going to abide in that. Lord, I'm the only Christian in my family. I'm going to abide in that. I mean, listen. What can we do as believers if we abide in the very presence of Jesus? If I set my heart on things above, if I set my mind on things above, it says where Christ is seated, which means Christ has already finished the work. I just have to walk in. You mean to tell me, John, my marriage could be, could be a, a, a good work? Yes, if you walk in in Jesus, it is a finish. It will be done. You mean your life is going to matter for something? Yes, it's already finished. He knew you before he formed you in the womb. See, I wanted to answer the whole, I talked to you about this. I wanted to answer to ask uh, Jason to pray for you. I wanted to answer the whole predestination. I'm going to do that tonight. I'm just going to be excited to do something. I, 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 you know, I, I just got so much I want to share with you. But when you abide, Since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. He sat down because his work is finished, right? So tell us stop, take it forward. Y'all need this? Are you tracking me? So which means this. If you're in a relationship with a girl, or gentlemen, you're in a relationship with people at work, or ladies, you're in a relationship with a guy, or you're still in a work, whatever it is, or children, or whatever it is, if your family is setting their hearts and minds on the things above, then your family will be victorious because Christ already has the victory. You say, but John, you don't know. My children have done these bad things. Here's what I want you to understand. Without Jesus, they will stay in the bad things. But with Jesus, he will even resurrect the dead. There's always hope. Always hope in the one who's already been told. John, what about my health? I just want to say this to you. This is what's great. When you hold on to the rope of Jesus, death cannot even finish you. Because there's one who will put you out of the world.
be fine with the Lord. God, I haven't really set my relationship. I haven't set my school, man. I'm on this team. I'm on this team. And this team has become where my heart has been set. More so than Jesus. No, the reason why you're on that team is so that you can release the presence of Jesus. Does that mean that John, he doesn't want to be successful? Yes, he wants you to be successful. But he's not going to be the one to do it. you got to do it. That's not God's will that wants you to perish. Yet people perish. But then you said, well, John, was it God's will for us to lose? No, you lost. That didn't sound very encouraging. God's not what they're going. Hmm. See, she plays liberty. Both schools are Christians. You know what? Let me just roll the dice.
turn to, to the Gospel of John, chapter 15. You already know the answers are popular passages. That's one of the reasons I think the Holy Spirit brings them to my mind. They're very popular. John chapter 15, you already remember this. This is Jesus after they've had the Lord's Supper. He's teaching the disciples yes. the very night. He's going to be betrayed. He's teaching them. And, 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 and so these are kind of his last words. This is what he says. In verses 4 and 5, you already know this. He says, remain in me, there's the abiding mind. That's it. Set your hearts on things above. Set your minds on things above. Remain in me as I also remain in you. Notice the hope language. Jesus will never leave you or forsake you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Then it goes on to a wonderful scripture. He says, I am the vine and you are the what, saints? Man remains in me, and I am him, he will bear what? Apart from me, you can do what? Apart from Jesus. Today, set your hearts and your minds on the things above where Jesus has already had victory. He's there with me. Father, that is my prayer right now. You decide with Jesus. Maybe there's some people in this room that just want to say today, for today I'm, I'm siding with you in my relationship, I'm siding with you in my marriage, I'm siding with you for my family, for my health, for my future, for my finances, for whatever it might be. I'm siding with you today. I'm going to set my heart on the things above about your business, Lord. I'm going to set my mind on things above, which is to learn and grow about you and your business. Lord, today I choose to side with you. I might have been siding someone else, some other things, but today I choose to side with you because you're calling me.
that you were the one who did the work, finished the work. We now receive you as our Lord. That is our prayer. If they say that today, Lord, that they'll come let us know. They'll come down here and tell us so that you begin that discipleship process of becoming like Jesus. Give us hope today. We worship you.